Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one incredible page of Talmud every day. And I say incredible because today's pages, Gitin 17 and 18, they bring up a very curious bit of warning. Have a listen. The Gemara relates, Rabba Barbar Khana was weak, and Rav Yehuda and Rabba entered to visit him and to inquire about his well-being. While they were there, they raised a dilemma before him, as of course you do with your sick friend, with regard to two people who brought a bill of divorce from a country overseas. Are they required to say it was written in our presence and it was signed in our presence, or are they not required to issue this declaration? He said to them, they are not required to say it for the following reason. What if they said she was divorced in our presence? Wouldn't they be deemed credible? Therefore, they do not have to state the declaration. In the meantime, while they were sitting there, in came a certain Persian priest and took the lamp from before them. It was a Persian holiday on which the Persians prohibited the public from maintaining light outside their temple. Rabbah, who was from Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, said, Merciful one, let us live either in your shadow or in the shadow of the descendants of Esau, the Romans. The Gemara asks, Is this to say that the Romans are preferable to the Persians? But didn't Rabbi Chia teach, What is the meaning of that? This means that the Holy One, blessed be He, knows with regard to the Jewish people that they are unable to accept and live under Roman decrees, and therefore He arose and exiled them to Babylonia. This indicates that living under Babylonian rule is preferable to living under Roman rule. What a fascinating query! Are the Romans better than the Persians? Why would that be? Or is it? And to help us answer this geopolitical conundrum, this foreign policy Talmudic question, I am bringing in the heavy guns, welcoming back to the show, the Secretary of Talmudic State, my friend, Rabbi, Dr. Ambassador Ari Lam. Welcome back, my friend. I am so excited to be here. Holy cow. (laughs) Okay, so help us make sense of it. Rome Babylonia, Persians, Romans, is one better, are both the same? Lay it on us. So the amazing thing is that in the course of Jewish history, you have so much rumination on the question of the respective virtues and demerits of Rome and Persia, even though, you know, you could argue from a certain standpoint that, you know, it would sort of be like arguing, it would sort of be like Yankees fans arguing like who's worse, like the Mets or the Red Sox? It's yeah. Like they're both bad, you know. So, but at the same time, the sages of the Jewish people, and in fact, the very Bible itself, have taken this question with the utmost seriousness. So, on the one hand, you have sources like this that appear to kind of present both sides of the story, meaning either Rome is better or Persia is better, and. In other sources, you have one perspective and not the other. But I think it's worth clarifying at the outset, what would be the case if Chazal, if the rabbis could make it for Rome, and what would be the Jewish case for Persia? So in a source in Masechet Shabbat, in Tractate Shabbat, which we studied much earlier in the cycle, you have the sages articulating exactly what it is that Rome is, is, is good and great at, and that is building infrastructure. So Rabbi Judah is of the opinion, Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion, that what makes Rome wonderful is 
it's marketplaces and it's roads and it's bathhouses and essentially literally the scene from life of brian right what has rome ever done for us well other than roads exactly it's it's a literal by the way it's a literal monty python sketch the way the talmud sets it up is you have these four rabbis sitting there asking what has rome ever done for us it's literally the monty python sketch and the truth is you can like you can <laughs> i like to imagine Rabbi Yehuda giving his speech about the virtues of rome you know in the exact intonation and delivery of kendall roy at that logan roy's funeral where it's like <laughs> <laughs> sure, he was he was terrible and abusive, and he hated us, and we hated him. But he was a builder. So, and then on the other hand, you have Persia. What's the case for Persia in Jewish tradition? Well, the case for Persia is that actually the founder of the Persian Empire, Cyrus the Great, is the only one of the very few people, and certainly the only Gentile in the entire Bible who's called Mashiach, who's called the anointed one, which ends up becoming the word as well for the Messiah. That's where the word Messiah comes from. He's called the anointed of God because he's the one whose regime is founded on a bedrock of religious tolerance and allows the Jewish people after their exile by the Neo-Babylonian Empire to actually go back to the land of Israel and rebuild the temple. And it's the Persians in many respects who create the conditions under which Jewish life could flourish in Persia for more or less a thousand years. So what all of this says to me is, okay, what's better? Is it better to have high quality infrastructure? Is it better to have the the architectonics of social good, right? Of tolerance. And the answer to me is that actually what all of this tells us is how to think about the exile of the Jewish people. I mean, we've been in exile for 2,000 years, and though we're incredibly fortunate to be living in a time where sovereignty has been returned to us in our land and where Jewish culture is flourishing in its in its eternal homeland, we still, you know, even from that perspective, we're still living at the, at the beginning of the first flowering of the redemption, right? We're, we're still very much in a period of the exile. And the question is, how do we view that period? How do we view our exile? Now, from one perspective, you could say, well, it's pretty simple. Exile is a punishment. We're not supposed to enjoy this punishment. We're not supposed to take anything away from this other than that we sinned. And this is not meant to be a redemptive experience for us. On the other hand, think about parenting, right? When you, if you ever have to discipline a child, what you want is not for your child to be miserable. You do want your child to experience something terrible so they learn how to behave differently next time. But you don't want your child to be miserable. What you want your child to do is to learn. And in this case, it's important for us to be in exile because it's here that we can learn essential things that we can use to make our next go at redemption even more transcendent. And those things can be as mundane as, hey, look what technology at its best has been able to create for the world. I mean, we, we still use Roman roads or the trajectories of Roman roads to this day. I mean, there's there's that famous thought experiment about why a car is the width that it is. It ultimately goes back to the size of a Roman cart traveling right. down a Roman road. I mean, technology at its best can be an incredible, powerful force for good, incredibly powerful force for good. And religious toleration, the idea of being a stranger in a strange land and nevertheless being welcome, that's a deeply Jewish value. And to see a nation like Persia at its best perform that well is inspiring and should be inspiring to us. And so... I think the ultimate lesson of 
watching the rabbis debate which of our, at times, oppressors has achieved more or been better for us. It's not just sort of a cheap parlor game. It's actually a deep and extraordinary expression of engaging in gratitude towards God, even at the times when God is punishing us. What do we get out of exile? Well, we learn things here. And we learn how to become even better both participants and leaders in the global moral conversation by the things that we learn here. And I think that's the lesson of today's page of Talmud. Oh, only that and nothing more. <laughs> Rabbi Ari Lam, thank you so much for this stunning explanation. Oh, my total pleasure. So excited to be here. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, then you're going to enjoy our brand new Take One newsletter even more. Each week, you'll get an extra shot of Talmudic wisdom straight to your inbox. And for those who sign up before Tractate Gittin ends, we'll be raffling off some Take One swag. So make sure to subscribe at tabletm.ag slash Take One Newsletter. As always, please go rate and review Take One on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And you could get your Take One t-shirts, mugs, and other amazing form of swag at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramuccia, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.dafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.